The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to another episode or session of the Kickpod Dojo. I am your host slash sensei, TJ Williams, giving you the insider of my martial arts experience as well as my uh, uh, thoughts and opinions, or should I say my analyzing um, certain martial arts type subjects from movies, TV shows, or certain martial arts situations, uh, and also um, highlighting certain martial artists from around the world. Okay, so with this episode, um, I'm going to um, talk about McDojos. Alright, so a lot of people are familiar with that term when it comes to martial arts. It's uh, McDojos. It's like basically you're getting your belts like within a year or two. Basically, you're just paying, just basically you're buying a, a black belt. So that's the whole concept of McDojos. Like the whole the concept comes from like uh, Mc the uh, McDonald's. Like really, you want fast food. You want your you want to at least get your dinner now or <clears throat> your meal as quick as possible. You know, with um, everything nowadays, you know, you want to get things like as fast as you want. You want to go online and shop. You don't want to go out and like waste your waste your time trying to look for something. You want to get it like as fast as possible. You don't want to wait like for a couple like a month. Or same with um, you know, I don't like there's you know there's a lot of like fast um services out there that people would rather want than just wait for like years and years to get. Right? You want a fast promotion. You want a fast educa- education. I mean, that's the whole concept of the McDojo. So basically, you would call like fast education a McCollege or you want um, a fast, um, like fast clothes. And like you want to buy clothes, you call a, um, a Mc, um I don't know what to call it, like a McFashion bug or something like that. But nevertheless, going on to the subject of McDojo, you know, I'm looking at it like an article coming from Jesse Incamp. If you don't know what Jesse, who Jesse Incap is, um, he's known as the Karate Nerd or Karate Geek. Um, you know, you call him Karate Freak or Fanatic. You know, for people that like talk about the same thing their whole life and not nothing else. So this is like, <clears throat> I'm getting this from um, an article from his website. And of course, if you've seen most of his YouTube videos, like that's where mostly I get my subjects from. Is from his um, YouTube channel. You know, he talks about subjects concerning, like, different styles <clears throat> and whatnot. And, um, of course, this article that I get from um, his website is the 93 warning signs your dojo is a McDojo. All right, so I'm not going to go through all these, but, you know, I'm going to talk about certain ones. I'm going to talk about the pros and cons of um, what he picked up, and that's pretty much I'm, how I'm going to analyze this whole um, episode is the things I read out 
I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons. So I want you to get an idea of what I experience versus uh, what you might experience if you actually join uh, a karate school or a dojo. So the number one thing he puts on um, the list or as a sign is you wear multi-colored uniforms. All right, so the pro to that, um, you know, yeah, you're going to go to certain... um, schools you're gonna see them wear multicolor uniforms at times you know but the the pro to that is um you know you're gonna see students be part of like a special club you might see it on their like karate gi their their karate jacket that they have a patch they're part of a club you see them wear multicolor um uniforms you know in this case um you know it could be like a certain club to like help enhance um students um karate ability as well as like when i was training we used to have a demo team and yeah we would wear multicolor uh, uniforms so with demo teams you know we usually go out and do certain um certain acts for the community as well as we go to our annual convention and compete like do that that's it's kind of a good way of putting it if you wear multicolor uniforms and like also yeah if people are like getting ready for competition like sparring or like uh most most in most cases yeah like um creative fighting or no, not creative fighting of creating forms so that's pretty much where you see multicolor um, uniforms but the con to this is um when you're going to a karate studio you know the traditional, the traditional uniform is basically all white gi, or like for black belts it'd be all white gi, or it'd be a white top with a black pants, or vice versa. So that's the t- traditional karate gi that you wear throughout your whole training. Like everything else, you like wearing a multicolor uniform. That's like for like other purposes. It's not for your training. So really, it would be it wouldn't be a good idea to wear. A multicolor um, uniform during like a, a traditional test, so that will be that's the um, that's a factor that you want to think about when you're going to martial arts. You're gonna wear an all white gi for testing. Well, for most cases, yeah. So definitely, if you you have a if you're going to a karate studio that has that like multi multicolor uniforms, then you then then that's a McDojo. Well, that's a sign, right? All right, number two. Now, the karate dojo advertises as a non-contact karate. Now, of course, there'd be a pro to that now. Despite the, our current situation with COVID-19, you know, really, when it comes to martial arts, you know, the like the pro to that, you know, there's certain certain people that don't like to like be touched or they don't want to make contact you know really but you know that's like the pro you know you have to respect people's personal space and you know really the thing about it like with what well of course with COVID-19 you know we try to avoid any contact whatsoever so that'd be the pro right now if, if there was like an infectious disease going hanging out there like COVID-19 yeah that wouldn't be it would be non-contact all right but Nevertheless, uh, the con to that, if, if we didn't have this COVID-19, you know, if a karate studio advertises non-contact, 
then, um, you know, you're kind of deceiving people. Like, you know, you're training people to defend themselves at all times. And yeah, and you're going to, there's going to be people, that, there's going to be contact. And just for you to get the feel for it, you know, if you're out there in the street and you get like, you're, somebody put your hands on you you don't know what to do you freeze then you know then then you're in trouble so it's always best to at least have some type of contact so you know what to do when you're in a situation right so that's two so it's three you wear a thousand badges or patches on your gi all right the pro to that all right now when you wear patches you only wear patches that are honorary to your training like for me you know we wear a school patch uh our organization patch well yeah like yeah the organization that we're in we're, we're that patch we're like members of that um organization and um we wear like a flag patch represent our country so definitely of course if we go to like um our annual convention yeah, you know, people see what school we're representing, and of course, they see the the membership patch. Like everybody in our organization has a a membership patch, so we see that we know they're UFAF. But of course, we're gonna have different. Well, we might have the same um flag. We might have the same um um flag um patch because we're from the same country. We might have a different um flag patch. And, um, it's, um, all right. All right. So that's the whole concept of, um, having a patch, you know, you want to have an honorary one to have meaning to it. All right. So that's the pro to that. But the con, of course, of having, um, a thousand badges, like really, if, if you have like patches on your uniform, that's like meaningless, it doesn't have no meaning to it. If it's say like, it's just like. Like, say it's like karate is great. I mean, that's something that you wouldn't put on your um, karate gear. You would put on like your jacket or something. All right. So if you have something like that, that's insignificant to like your training, then that doesn't that's that's like doesn't mean anything. That's insignificant. I mean, that's no point to that. All right. All right. Number four. It's like pretty much like the jackpot. Um warning sign is you are awarded black belt in one to two years okay so i'm gonna talk about my um journey all right i kind of mentioned this before you know i started when i was like since say 12 10 or like 11 or 12 years old all right so that's when i started now i got my black belt at um at at 18 all right so there was almost like, uh, should I say, a six or seven year that I've um, trained before I before I got my black belt. So definitely, for for you, a person that gets their um, black belt awarded from um, to get their black belt awarded um, in one to two years, it's like that's dude, that's too quick. All right, you want you want to have a, a wonderful a journey in martial arts, you know. Of course, in this 
of course in this um this um warning sign is there's no pro to this all right so really though that's the only the only con is like it shouldn't take you one to two years to for it to get a black belt you know but you know you got some of these parents that you know they want to get their you want their kids to be black belts like now so they don't have to worry about it later you know you know these parents and i i guess in most cases black belt that makes you a powerful person prestigious right but honestly if if you're the type of person that gets your black belt in one to two years and let's just say you don't train after you get your black belt my best advice to you is keep it to yourself because one thing for another if you know you got you tell your friends that you're a black belt and then one day you got that one person or that one person that comes down the street and that mess with you and and your friend kind of brags say that you're a black belt and then all of a sudden that person turns to you you panic you don't know what you're doing you you're gonna you're gonna panic you're you're gonna like must let's say it's hopeless right, you don't know what you're doing and the guy gets you down and starts beating you you know that's an embarrassment you know the worst thing you can do is tell your friends that you got your black belt and then yet you only got it within one to two years and you didn't further your training hey right, so yeah so if you're a black belt yeah you're a black belt forever but if you don't like keep continue to train at least get better with your techniques then that's hope that's hopeless All right so there's no point of you going going out and getting spending two years of training to just get a black belt there's no point all right going on to to warning sign number five advancement to the next rank is an expense and a hefty one at, at that instead of an honorable one okay now all right so really the only pro that I, the pro that i would like to say when you when you advance to the next when you advance to the next rank all right so you know it's a it's great that you advance to the next you you're advancing that's the pro all right you're going forward all right and yet it should be an honorable one i mean you want you want your students you want you want to know that you're accomplishing something, you know. And when you're talking about, that's the con right there. The, it's at an expense. Like, really, what expense that there would be referring to? Like, one, it would be like um, you're advancing because uh, you're paying a lot of money. Or I don't know. That could be, <clears throat> well, really, there's... <clears throat> There's two ways I see it. Like one, the con. All right. For one, if you're advancing to the next rank because um, of how much money you're paying a month, right? Or you know you're getting beat up a lot, but you know you're not showing any improvement, but you make it to the advance belt. But you know that's how I see it. That's the con. You know it should be an honorable achievement. You know. You shouldn't have to be going to the next rank because you pay the most money. You know, you should be going to the next rank because um, you show that you're capable, you're ready to go to that next rank. You know, it's more than just like how much money you pay a month. It's based on 
how much how much um learning and how much progress progression that you've done during your training that's what matters all right so it should be the honorable achievement not an expensive one all right so now let's get to another one there's another warning sign a prospective students are required to become members or subscribe before even trying a lesson hmm all right so one thing you know you want I mean, when you're joining a karate studio, of course. Now, here's the thing about um, being a member. All right. So when you first start karate martial arts, all right, you shouldn't be a member of any, anything yet. All right. So here's the thing. All right. So in our, in our style, in our, our studio, okay, you start off as a white belt. All right. You don't join anything yet. You're just taking lessons. All right. Yeah, you take your lessons, you you learn the basics, and yeah, you take your first you take your first test, and like the first test is our gold belt, gold belt test. All right, you take that test, all right, you get your gold belt, and then let's just say like a month, within your training as a gold belt, you are required to, um, join or join our organization, before you test for your next rank. All right, so that's pretty much how the protocol goes. Yeah, so that'd be the pro to that. Yeah, you got to be a member of, like, an organization, like, before you progress forward. But, you know, the con to that, you know, we don't make people join the UFAP organizations before they are, before they join, the, or before they take a first lesson. Right? So that pretty much, that means extra money. All right, so... Right, so you you pay for lessons and then all of a sudden you have to be a member you have to be a member before before you even take that lesson you know that doesn't make sense you know you want people to experience a martial arts lesson and not worry about membership yet okay so that's like the pros and cons of a, a, a prospective student our prospective students are required to become members so all right going to warning sign number seven all right so now this kind of gets my head shaking a little bit you know your sensei is a grandmaster with a seven don or above and yet 30 years or younger okay now all right now just kind of thinking this over now the pro to this all right, so usually master rank in our organization is from uh, is from fifth to ninth degree, All right, so or fifth to ninth don black belt. So really from there, so that's what I'm going for, like the master rank. You know, I already got my fourth degree, so I'm working towards fifth degree. And now, as far as being grandmaster, you know, grandmaster in our organization of, of UFAF, of the United Fine Arts Federation, and our style of the Chuck Norris system, I mean, the grandmaster would mean tenth degree. That's how that's how far it stops, tenth degree. All right. So if you're a tenth degree, you're a grandmaster. But anything else, you know, below that, you're just a master. All right. So now here's the con to this. Um, you know, usually grandmaster are it's like they're either in their 70s or their 80s. 
to be a grandmaster. Uh, you know, look at this way. You're you're an elderly person. Like I hate to use the word old, but you know, you're in like a like a elder's age. Like in this case, uh, Grandmaster Norris Chuck Norris is uh, is eighty years old, and yeah, he's a grandmaster. All right, so you know, he was pretty much in his like seventies when he was in a grandmaster. All right, so and you got my um, master instructor. Who is a ninth degree? Of course, yeah, he's in his sixties, his mid sixties, of course, and uh, yeah. So it doesn't make sense that a grandmaster is thirty years old or younger. It doesn't make sense, you know. It's like you're basically a kid, and if you're like an adult taking the lessons, you're basically look at you. You would look at like an older person as a grandmaster, but now. You're looking at like a little kid as a grandmaster. That just doesn't sit well. Right? So really, you know, you know, this when it comes to being a grandmaster, it takes like years, you know, you're gonna be like almost like eighty when you become a grandmaster. That's the way I see it, you know. If I'm going for fifth, you know, of course I'm gonna be like in my almost my late thirties when I think about it. But you know, if I'm going over if I'm going even higher, if I decide to go for a grandmaster, if I do that, which that's a high highly prestigious um rank. It's a it's a it's a title. So if I decide if I wanted to go for grandmaster, I'd probably be like in my early eighties. Alright, it's the way I think about it. If I continue training. So that's how I see it. Well, let's face it if I decide to go to for Grandmaster, I'll if if I'm if I'm able to get there, then I hope I don't die first. But nevertheless, I want to at least become a master rank. That's my goal in martial arts right now. Alright, All right, now here's here's um another one, another warning sign that pretty much goes with um number four about going being a black belt for within a year or two now here's another one um there there's a special course that'll get you a black belt in six months or less uh now like i said with number four with the fourth warning sign uh you know it, it took me at least seven to eight years to get to the test for my first degree black belt now usually well, if you you take special classes now, here's the pro to this. Now, like before we did black belt, before you take your black belt te test, or should I say, before you go for your pre-test, you um we had like a prep class. That's like a special course, a special class that we took for like people going for their black belt. All right, so they would take like a class like once a week, like aside from their regular class. You know, they would um, train with the, the master instructor and, you know, he would go over certain like certain um, subjects that are um, that are involved in the test. And he would like critique each each um, person going for black belt. And, you know, they would tell him what to fix, you know, what to expect in a black belt test. You know, the main thing is when you're doing a black belt test, you know, the way, one thing you got to also worry about is being conditioned, like have like, well, good endurance. Like really, that's your, 
that's the one thing that you want to think about. I mean, so the con to this, you know, you take a special class and you get your black belt with six to less months. You no, know, in that case, if this if this class is the case, you might as well just buy your belt off of Amazon or something. And it's like seriously, if you think you're gonna get your black belt within six months, you might as well just go on Amazon and just buy one. I mean, there's no point of you wasting money just like take a, take a special class and you get your black belt within six months. No, that's not. That's no way to really show good true martial arts. No, that's not it. Okay. All right. Now I think I'm gonna skip nine because I think I mentioned that nine is like yes, this that course is it is it super expensive. Of course, you know, that's the thing, you know. No, actually, I'm going to talk about this, all right? So, number nine, you know, when you talk about joining the martial arts, you know, using the martial arts studios usually charge you 150 to $200 a lesson, which is ridiculous. You know, lessons shouldn't be expensive. It should be reasonable. It should be like a, like if you're joining a gym, you know, you're not going to pay hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars a month or just uh just to uh, join a gym. You know, it doesn't make sense. Alright, so you know, really you want to be able to your customer to save money. You want them to believe in your product, but you want them to save money too. You know, they have bills to pay as well as you do. I mean you want to run a business, that's understandable. But you want them to save money. You don't want them to waste your money. If you're if they're paying like a hundred and fifty dollars a month, you mean you want to train the students like it's a hundred and fifty dollars a month. Now you just don't want to train them and just like, yeah, here's your lesson, all right. So I want your money. I mean, uh, okay. So I got that out of the way. So now number ten. Sen senseis won't spar or slash fight with you because they don't want to hurt you. Okay, let's the there's the pro to this. All right, the pro to this yeah you don't want to hurt your students. You no, know? you want them to get the feel of sparring. So usually we do light sparring. You know, you know I definitely I when I spar my students you know I um give them a light tap like on the side of the helmet you know. I kind of get them to work on their defense as well as their offense. You know, if I'm attacking them, oh, if I'm attacking them, you know, I'm just giving them a light jab, like not too hard. I mean, I want them to be able to work on their defenses when they're doing sparring. You know, they're going to end up sparring somebody that's bigger than them. They're going to fight people that are like smaller than them. They're going to fight people that average size. And they're going to, they're going to, fight somebody that's their same weights or either they're bigger than them or even less weight that's how it is you know you gotta at least have that experience of sparring students so definitely that's the kind that you know you know they senseis you know they don't want to hurt you but you know they have to give them the experience you know one you're an experienced sparring you know you want them to get the feel of what it is, what they're going up against, especially what if they're competing in the tournament. 
right? You really want to train them with that. Right, so huh, I'm gonna go through a couple more of these and then I'm gonna call it like a call it a session. All right, so here's another 11. Now, here we go Individu individual development and personal expression is virtually non existent. Instead, a strong conformist mentality is encouraged. Since this inflexible flexible mindset is what makes it easy for senseis to rule the um, rule the dojo hmm. just thinking about that so okay all right so let's look at it this way the the pro to this you know you want to have like a strong mentality that's one thing yeah so when you're yeah, when you're um, doing martial arts, you know, you want to have that, you want to have that strong mind. You want to have like an inflexible mindset. So it would make it easy. All right. So really make it easy for you to learn. But, you know, when you talk about individual development and personal expression, you know, you want, you want the person, you want the student to feel good about themselves. You know, you know, one thing, martial arts is not the military right you know you want to think about that you know you don't want to treat the martial arts style as a uh a military you know you want that person to build up their confidence you want them to build like everything else you know you know you get people that are shy people they don't want to hurt anybody but you know but you got to have that to give them the ability to like have that um mentality that they can do anything you know that gives them the confidence to go out into the free world you know do other things you know other than karate you know accelerate in sports you know do good good in school you know become become a successful person so that's the whole idea all right so really that's what you want to do with that so i'm going to move on to here all right so number 12 you are never taught bunkai application to moves okay all right so i mean the pro to this you know of course with um with our situation all right so yeah probably the one person that would be highly um well highly pro probably proficient in bunkai is another martial artist other than um jesse in camp is uh ed abernathy you know, yeah, I took a seminar a couple of times. You know, he was at least teaching us the application of katas, right? So usually, other than katas, basically a simple move. You know, usually if you threw a block, all right, is that actually blocking an attack, blocking or as attacking? So you use that different ways, you use blocks different ways. Now, but as far as kicks, now let's just say, are you using a kick to hit the attack or to defend so that's the application of bunkai you know if you go to a karate studio that doesn't do that then it is a mcdojo i mean you know you, you gotta go you gotta have an idea of why you're throwing these techniques you know you just don't throw these techniques and that, that's it you just you learn how to do a front kick right yeah a big deal so but what what can you do with a front kick how can you can apply it to a a situation you see 
That's why we have like things like one steps. You know, if somebody's throwing a punch at you, you use these techniques to like simply defend yourself or to attack the attack. All right, so now I'm going to skip, well, skip 13 because it's just like if you teach Bunkai, you never, they never work except when the sensei does them. All right, so really I'm going to talk about that, yeah. Yeah, but you, if you teach Bunkai, now you want, you want the applications to work, right? So really, now this, see, the sensei shouldn't be the only one that should um, be trying to make them work. You know, you should be, I mean, the students should like do their own uh, bunkai pretty much. You know, you want to do something that works. You know, you don't want to do bunkai that doesn't work. Right? You want to have different applications. You know, it shouldn't have to be the sensei that does that does them, that does them. Or it works for them. Alright, so so that's the that's number thirteen. Alright, I'm gonna do two more and then I'm gonna cause okay, here goes. Instructors wear special instructor belts rather than regular belts, reflecting their true ranking. Okay, now um now when you're an instructor, now the only let's look at it this way. Um when I was training, you know, I usually see instructors with an instructor patch on their uniform. Now, that's pretty much the only thing that should be, that should matter. That if you're an instructor, you should have an instructor's patch, not an instructor's belt. You know, you know let's look at this way. If you're a black belt, you know, you can have your name embroidered on a belt that doesn't make much of that doesn't matter make much a difference, right? But nevertheless, you shouldn't have we shouldn't have a special belt, right? That just doesn't make sense to me. All right, so, all right. That I mean, you want to have like, you're you're special anyway, so really, why have a special belt? All right, so one more. All right. All right. Now here's here's one. All right. Now, this is, I kind of skipped 15 because, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, but here's the one. Your sensei studies marketing more than karate. All right. Now, for every business owner out there that um, does martial arts, you know, I was, I remember talking to Crosby. You know, yeah, Crosby, Bro Broadwater, the, thir the third, yeah, before Broadwater. Yeah, I think I got that right this time. <laughs> but nevertheless, um, I was talking with him. I would interview him. He was talking about like, like how many like people that he's talking about business with, you know, you know, definitely you want to make money. Yeah, that's the whole thing, you know. But yeah, you want to have that marketing. You want to be be able to advertise yourself, and really get yourself out there. But at the same time, you want to also be knowledgeable. Of martial arts right you're you're um you're advertising martial arts so it's best that you become knowledgeable in martial arts so that's that's always best when you know when i go to these conventions you know i go to seminars and really learn like what i can do with what i can really do with martial arts when i'm teaching <clears throat> you know 
there's also different type of seminars where they'll go over teaching like there's the um the ids then this instructor development series you know you want you want to be able to um, be able to teach karate you want to sell karate but you want to be able to teach it so it's what makes sense you sell karate and then the person that you're teaching has no idea what they're doing or you don't have any idea what you're doing or what you're talking about so you want to be able to know what you're talking about when you're doing karate when you're doing business and martial arts i mean it shouldn't be all about money it should be mostly all about rewarding those students with your knowledge so really so that'd be the reward for developing martial arts students or developing black belts so that's the goal in martial arts all right so okay so that's it for this um this week's session of the kick pod dojo and of course just remember just look out for those warning signs of um if your karate studio is a or karate school is a mcdojo all right so to get to get more of these um 90 93 warning signs all right kind of look by um look up um on a website called karate by jesse.com that's um jesse Encamp, who um is like the karate nerd or the karate fanatic for most people call him and you really check out like most of what he does and he also has a youtube channel he does youtube videos explaining like why this doesn't work why this works well the history of martial arts and the like like certain like subjects you know he don't just talk about karate he talks about also pop culture like of course he talks about cobra kai and like what's what the what's what's wrong with it what shouldn't be happening like okay that's the whole concept okay so that's it with the kick pod dojo i am your host slash sensei bowing you out this has been a wonderful just say wonderful year you know well we're almost done with it but yeah for those that are following the presidential election of course we got a new president uh joe biden okay congratulations to him so we're hoping that it, it'd be good for the next four years because like from 2016 to now it's been been, been chaos i mean that's why i don't talk about politics too much but you know nevertheless you can relate it's been chaos especially with still with this COVID 19 still around so for those out there please be take care of yourself and really really wash your hands and do whatever to keep yourself from getting that virus all right so like again i am tj williams your sensei bow you out and i'll see you next time Get in here. We got to call this thing. Tighten up. Come here. All right, guys. Here's the situation. Two minutes left. Zero timeouts. Down by a touchdown. We got to drive 75 yards. All right. We could do this thing. I believe in each and every one of you. But real quick, did you guys know that the Two Point Conversation podcast runs five days a week, Monday through Friday, with various co-hosts and different themes every day? 
And then you can listen to them on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. So what's the play? Just, all right, just, come on, hurry up. Get to the line and just run, and I will get it to somebody, all right? Come on, on three. Ready. Set. Mother. Delay of game. Offense.